Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another great episode of A Bug's Fate with Tanner and Taylor. What's up? Today, we are going over ants. That's right. That's right. Can I jump in here? I know we usually have kind of an order, but I wanted to read this news story that I saw. This is from a few years ago, but I think it pertains a little bit to what we're going to talk about today. So each year, swarms of flying ants appear in such numbers in the UK at certain times of the year, they show up as weather events or rain clouds on radar systems. So weather people over there, weathermen and women, will often mistake them for rain clouds. Can you imagine like a swarm of ants so big, it's like a big black cloud coming over you, like a buzzing black cloud? No, I cannot. And they even had a news story on it and everyone in there was like, oh yeah, it's kind of normal. But apparently whenever their temperatures warm up during the summer months, many ant colonies there take flight on the same day. So like the first nice day from from a cooler temperature to like, I don't know if it get in the 70s or 80s there, all the all the ants take off. And essentially what it is, it's the queens trying to find a mate and it's all the, the stronger males of the, of the ant nest colonies that are going to go after those queens. And it just makes just a cloud of them. I, they say that you can't go outside. You just got to kind of hang out until they're gone. And sometimes it can take a day or two, but apparently that happens every year over there that um, that it goes down like that. So. That's insane. It's like the first nice day in Florida after like summer or winter <laughs> yeah. and everybody like crowds the beaches and stuff and locals like stay in their house because they're like, oh no, yeah. <laughs> all like, the tourists are like, here. I feel like it's a plague, you know? <laughs> Luckily, we don't have any of that here in Florida, so we're very thankful for that. But that is a news story that I saw that was fascinating. But we don't deal with that, so no fear, but that is something that around the world people are dealing with. Yeah, but here in Florida, we do deal with nearly 20 different species of ants, and we have four that are really common that we're going to kind of go over, just like a brief overview of them. Um, and the first one that I want to start with is ghost ants. And yeah. these are the ants that they don't really do anything. They don't like bite you or anything, but they're kind of hard to get rid of because of what they're attracted to and stuff. And they're hard to see. So they just pop up and you don't realize you have a problem until you have a really big problem. But ghost ants, they get their common name from the fact that like I said, they're very hard to see due to their pale color and their super tiny size. Um, they're a tropical species. And in the United States, ghost ants are pro primarily found in central and southern Florida and Hawaii. Ghost ants don't sting. They do not have a stinger. They can become a serious nuisance because they're known to like nest inside the home. And that's, you know, then they get all over your food and your kitchen counters and you can kind of, they're just annoying, so annoying. Um, but they get into your home, they trail along branches and tr of trees and shrubs. And if you have branches and trees and shrubs and stuff that hit your home, it's like an easy highway. Yeah. I know we've gone over a couple of times to try to keep branches and shrubs away from your home because that is like the best highway for bugs and pests to get into your home. Yeah, it's going to be so, a common theme here for sure. Yeah, so homeowners, definitely keep your shrubbery trimmed. Um, make sure your tree branches are cut cut back. It's a really good way to make sure that this doesn't happen or to help prevent it. But uh, I have to say this, and I have to give myself a little <laughs> chuckle because I've 
I perceived this wrong the first time that I read it. And Tanner is going to explain to us a little bit of what it is. But ghost ants are very fond of honeydew. And if you think I'm saying honeydew like the melon, you're incorrect. <laughs> That's, that is correct. The first time we had a conversation about it, it was actually hilarious uh, to me. It's just because you weren't informed about it, but you're like, yeah, just make sure you watch where your melons are. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They are attracted to honeydew, but not the honeydew from the store. They're attracted to honeydew that is produced by aphids. So aphids that live on the bottom of uh, healthy plants, they will actually secrete a solution called honeydew. Uh, It's basically sugary liquid that comes from them. And actually, if there's a lot of, you may see this around your home, you can maybe relate to this, that if you have a lot of aphids around, you'll see sometimes spotting on your windows. You can see spotting on the finish of cars with this like little sticky substance. And even from that, that can even promote a fungus to grow on those leaves called sooty mold. And that actually can turn your leaves uh, black. And that's just mold on top of it that is produced from aphids. That's pretty much moldy honeydew. Uh, but like I said, not the honeydew from the store. So that is what they primarily will feed on. Uh, but their protein and their sugars will change throughout the year. But as Taylor was mentioning, they're just looking for a place to go. As my time as a technician, what we used to see is you would see one and then a you know a couple feet down on the floor, on the wall, you would see another one. They're not very... Um, they're social for sure, but they're not always going to be connected in a line as you may think of ants outside. So they are kind of few and far between. That also adds to the name ghost ants as well. So they, they're not impossible to get rid of, but sometimes you see one or two, you think, oh, no big deal. And then that one or two is just consistent. And then sometimes it'll turn three or four or five or six. And you're not going to get a hundred of them at one time that you'll see, but they'll just consistently track in your home until they potentially make a nest. So you got to be careful of that. Okay, so they are attracted to the sweetness, and that's why that honeydew, that I thought that was a melon because I was reading that they were attracted to the sweet things. But if you've ever like left something on your counter, I've had uh, somebody call and I was talking to them, and they said they, you know, cut up some watermelon, they put it on the counter, and they came back and there were little ants all over it and like i said they don't bite or anything they're not anything to be scared of they're just so annoying because they're hard to locate going into the ghost ant name but if you don't mind me asking a question tanner let's hear it how do most ant nests form so this is going to be kind of general because it can vary uh, a little bit from nest to, to nest or species to species uh a new but essentially a new flying ant queen hatched from a different nest will fly off from a different colony and find a male to mate with. So kind of like what I was talking about in that story, whenever there's a huge cloud of them in the UK, that's not just for no reason at all. That's for them to try to start a new colony. So there won't be typically any inbreeding, uh, but once they find a suitable site, uh, the queen finds a suitable site that she thinks is suitable, she'll drop her wings and start excavating down into the ground she will essentially bury herself in that nest and tend to her eggs until they hatch. So she'll mate, find a place to land, start digging, encase herself there until their eggs hatch. And from there, she won't typically leave the nest again because her workers are now going to do pretty much everything for her and groom her, feed her, bring her everything she needs. And her job solely at that point is to produce eggs, to make workers, swarmers, soldiers, whatever it is. Um, Some ant nests kind of going into different species can have multiple queens 
which help with the growth of new uh, colonies. But after a certain amount of time, the workers can actually kill off some queens if there are multiples and serve just one. So it's kind of cutthroat uh, in the in the bug world. Some of them won't accept the other ones. So the multiple queens, uh, those definitely happen in the ant colony as well. But there are some intricacies that happen during there as well. So one thing that I thought of in this is if there are multiple queens, you know, do they vote on who's the real queen? Do they fight? You know, I'm sure there is some studies in that, but that that's essentially how it's done. For some ant species, such as Argentine ant and the pharaoh ant, queens mate in the old nest and workers accompany the new queen bee and new to the new nesting site so she doesn't necessarily have to start over. In these cases, queens may not have wings or be able to fly, so they may not go super far. Uh, workers can also establish new colonies with or without mature queens through budding. Workers can carry immature stages of the actual ants, either it's eggs, larvae, or, or pupae, uh, to another nest site and rear some of the immatures up as reproductive males and females. So sometimes they don't necessarily have to have a queen to start. Some of the species can actually just start it on their own and they will develop over time. Um, so there's a few different ways that they happen, but mainly it's going to be a swarm some they'll find uh, the queen will find a mate going to the ground close herself in hatch a bunch of eggs and then they start coming out interesting one um the next ant that i kind of want to go into based off of what we see the, a lot is the red imported fire ants and i say that coming off of the nest ones because those are the ones that you see i, I think that you see the most like in your yards and Correct. stuff those big mounds of yeah. um ant colonies yeah some of them um, small amounts but yeah those are going to be the outsides whereas whereas the ghost ants are typically be known as the nuisance ants that don't sting you don't harm you but these <laughs> the fire ants everybody knows about those yeah the red imported fire ants um they get their name from the ability to inflict painful bites and stings um so they're kind of dark reddish brown ants and they're an invasive species that are found throughout the southern part of the United States, but they build large mound nests that are flattened, um, irregular in shape, and they could be between two and four feet in size. They're commonly brought into new areas by potted plants and like shrubs and trees and stuff. So when you're doing landscaping, <laughs> it might be a smart thing to just kind of do a preventative ant spray on your yard because... Yeah. I don't want them invading my yard, especially if you have like animals or kids or something out there running around like you mm -hmm. you want to make sure you keep those at bay because those bites hurt. I don't know if you've ever stepped in a red ant pile and gotten the little bites. They're like the bites that you can like, I know this sounds disgusting, but like squeeze and like yeah. they things come out of it. <laughs> <laughs> As I say bite 500 times, it is actually a sting. They actually sting. They do not bite. But it's common to say bite because it's just a normal thing. Oh, I got bit. Yeah. But interesting fact that they don't have, they're not biting you. They're actually stinging you with the little stingers. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> On this subject of stinging slash biting ants, do you know where the most dangerous ants in the world lives so we talked about this ahead of time so i did some research so according to guinnessworldrecords.com the most dangerous ants are called the bulldog ant 
and they are found in coastal areas of Australia. Of course. Common theme. No hate, Australia. No. Really want to visit Australia. Yeah, but I feel like we're going to die if we ever go. (laughs) These ants use their mandibles and stingers together. The most recent recorded fatality was in 1988 to a Victorian farmer. They get their bulldog name because of their lack of fear and their aggressiveness, showing little fear to people by grabbing them with their mandibles and stinging them repeatedly, therefore the ability to inject more venom than other species of ants, making them the most dangerous in the world. So, red and porter fire ants. The way that you said, the way that you just said that, makes me think that they're like five foot tall (laughs) and they like grab the human and they're just like, stinging them yeah i don't think they're quite that big but i don't I, I think so I but research that according but to everything that we know about australian it could be. everything is bigger there it could be it could be massive it could be the size <laughs> of a, a chihuahua i don't know but probably not that i cannot take it hmm. um so the next one that we deal with here in florida getting back to florida from australia is carpenter ants and i i think a big misconception of carpenter ants and tell me if i'm wrong here is that they eat wood that is correct they do not eat wood they excavate it so they will not take a healthy piece of wood or tree and destroy it like a termite can or will they will um, go into damaged wood whether most of the time through water damage or some kind and they will just excavate it so you can see what I don't want to call it sawdust, but it's just like flakes of wood. And that is from them pulling it out with their mandibles. Yeah. So I have a note here that they tunnel and chew through wood only to create nests. So they like to nest in like that old wood. Yeah, that's correct. So if you're thinking that you may have a carpenter ant problem... Um, the ex- only external sign of a car- carpenter ant infestation, other than the presence of its workers like out there, is the appearance of small openings on the surface of wood. So are is, is that saying like like little holes that you'll see where they're creating that tunnel? Essentially, yeah. I mean, you'll have some workers and stuff present with ants because they don't care if you're we're standing there or not. But you'll see that. You'll see a little bit of... Um, but it's just debris. It doesn't look like anything unusual, especially if it's outside. A piece of wood is outside getting water damage. You're not going to notice the little flakes of wood. So most of the time, it's just going to be a small, tiny hole. But with the presence of ants, they will most of the time be coming in and out of there to where you can't see it. And another kind of interesting fact that I see about carpenter ants is that they need a water source nearby to survive. And they again, primarily feed on insect honeydew, which is that same thing that we were talking about with ghost ants. Yep, produced by aphids. Yep. Not the melon, (laughs) once again. Um, But they eat the insect honeydew plants. They like fruit juices. They actually eat other insects as well. But don't get it wrong, because they will also feed on like your sweets, your candies and stuff, eggs, meats, cakes. They like grease. Um, and they'll actually forage up to 300 feet from their nest to go and get food. Mm-hmm. And they're a little bit easier to see than even the fire ant and the ghost ants. So if you've got them foraging in or around your home, you're going to want to get that taken care of. So with them foraging that far, it might seem like kind of an off-key question, but do ants get out of breath? So like most insects, ants do not breathe 
they have what is called spiracles on their abdomens, which allows for oxygen to pass through their bodies, essentially. Each spiracle is connected to an ever finer branching series of tubes called trachea. This is similar to our lungs, except that insects don't use blood to carry oxygen from the trachea to the rest of the body. Instead, the trachea spread throughout the body, and each branch ends in a cul-de-sac with a moist end wall that touches directly against the membrane of a cell. So those spiracles, very tiny, air basically just passes through them, so they do not breathe. No. Mm, interesting. And now that we have that interesting fact, it kind of makes me want to go into some fun facts. Let's, Are you up for some fun facts? Let's do it. All right. So fun fact number uno, answer the longest living insects. So unlike some bugs who might live for just a couple of days or weeks or even just a couple of hours, the queen ant of this one particular species of ants I'm going to say its actual name and then what it's called, and I might get the actual name wrong, mm. but the Pogonomyrex awihi, or also known as the Western Harvester Ant, it can live up to 30 years. So uh, just to put that in perspective. <laughs> yeah, that's our, is that our age? <laughs> that's our age. That's a long time for an ant for to live. Yeah. Um, also, another little fun fact is the ant is the, one of the world's strongest creatures in relation to its size. So a single ant can carry up to 50 times its own body weight, and they will either, even work together as a group to carry or move bigger objects. And it just reminds me of the movie Ants. Yeah. When they're like all working together, like carrying a stick or something. Yeah, you can see videos of them where they will basically hold each other and float on water, too. Oh, yeah. I think I have seen that yeah, before. I believe Hurricane Harvey, when Hurricane Harvey hit Houston area, that they were having a lot of those problems where they were just ant rafts and people were touching them. Don't do that. They will get all over you and they will bite you. <laughs> yeah, they're looking for that, yeah. that saving grace to come and get them out of the water. Absolutely. So ants don't have ears. And a lot of them don't have eyes. Um, so they listen, quote unquote, by feeling vibrations and using their antenna. I, I know that's probably going to be a common question here for some folks is like how they communicate because it seems like they're so small. I used to joke with customers whenever you'd have a ghost, especially ghost ants because they're few and far between, but they were all essentially running the same track and people would ask me, hey, how do they communicate? And I essentially would tell them that they're following uh, a chemical scent trail or pheromones and the pheromone can also be used to distinguish which nest an ant is coming from, but that's essentially how they will communicate. They'll follow those pheromones and oftentimes bump heads, and they'll rub antennas together for vibrations, and that will basically send the signal from the queen all the way down to the foraging ants and help them basically achieve whatever their task is, whether it's finding food, finding a nest, checking out uh, a branch on that's touching a house. Sometimes they'll feel that disturbance. They'll go over there and say, hey, what's this? And then they're on their house and they're inside your home. And then you hopefully call a professional to get rid of them. So interesting little thing that I saw. We were sitting on our back porch a couple weeks ago and that we there was a line of ants going up our fence. And I was kind of like, I knew we were doing this podcast, so I was kind of intrigued on what they were 
doing, like how they were acting. And I actually have videos of it. So I'll post it on our, our, a bug's fate Instagram, but an aunt would go up. I want to say talk to quote unquote, (laughs) another aunt, like hang out with it for a second, go back down. And they're like slowly moving up the fence, like kind of going and checking in with one, uh, one another, like as they're moving along and, it's just them signaling like, hey, we're over here. We're over here. We're doing this. We're doing this. And it was so interesting. I, I'm not kidding. I think I sat there for like 10 or 15 minutes, like trying to take little videos or just watching them do it because it was interesting how they were communicating and making sure they were all on the same line. Yeah, it's it's fascinating how they communicate. And even doing research for this episode, um, I, I did some more. I did a little deep dive. So hopefully I'm not stealing one of your fun facts, but I'll add one in is that there is a species of ant actually found uh, typically in Europe and Asia. They have a spike on their abdomen that they will actually stroke with their hind legs that will actually cause vibration and noise. So them not talking or making noise isn't always accurate. Now, I don't think you'll hear this noise, but to them, they will hear that and they observe Scientists have observed ants using this form of communication more when they felt threatened by things as well. They'll just start hitting that little spike on their back, and it just it's it sends off a warning yeah. vibration hey, to get every away. other ant. Yeah. So they a lot of times they'll bump heads and rub antennas, but if you're in Europe or Asia, they're gonna hit the spike. Wild. Uh, so another fun fact that I have, and it's one of my favorite fun facts. The largest ant nest that was ever found, and this is going to sound a little unbelievable, but it is true. It was over 3,700 miles wide. <laughs> Goodness. It, it, that, it sounds unbelievable. Um, but it was found in Argentina in 2000, so that's not even that long ago. I was kind of expecting them to be like, in 1923, yeah. but no, in the year 2000, um, it was found in Argentina, and the ginormous colony housed 33 different ant populations, which had merged to into one giant super colony, and it had millions of nests and billions of workers, so 3,700 miles wide. That, that is ridiculous. I just wonder how how it was found one how they realized that it connected to so many different nests and colonies and everything like what led to them finding this massive ant colony i don't know how they connected it but there must have, i mean it's probably not as simple as like a trail but there had to have been some sort of way that they found that it was all connected yeah that's huge can we, can, yeah. we can we put this to scale let's put this to scale as well yes so depending on your route the coast-to-coast drive across America ranges in distance from approximately 2,500 miles to 3,500 miles. So this is wider than east coast to west coast in the United States. That's it was it, That ant population or that ant nest was bigger than that. That is unbelievable. Yeah. And I just wonder how far, like, they can travel. How I just – I have so many more questions about that. It's just crazy. Like I watched a couple videos and I know that they did like casks of of a couple of yeah. the things. Uh, just know, knowing how it, deep it goes. Have you ever had one of those um, ant farms? Yeah. Did you ever have one and you see like how they build the tunnels and tubes? I've never had one, but in some of the classrooms uh, when I was a kid in school, they had them. 
Yeah, I am just picturing that on a massive scale for some reason. I don't know why, <laughs> but that's what I'm picturing. It could be. It could have been. They probably set up some some of that just to check it out. But I, I imagine 3,700 miles, there's some areas where they just say, okay, this is, <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy. This is, this is good. All right. So another fun fact is ants can be found on every single continent except one. And it is. Antarctica. Oh, Antarctica. <laughs> when you consider the name is Antarctica and they don't have any ants there, wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then another little fact that we talked about ghost ants earlier and how they like the honeydew and the sweets and things like that. But if you actually smash a ghost ant, it smells like coconuts. <laughs> I've never done this, so don't ask me if I had. And technicians, professionals, if you're listening to this, don't just start smashing ants and smelling your fingers. Tech, <laughs> customers might be a little weirded out by that. But if you're a homeowner and you have them. Smash them and tell us if it actually smells like coconuts. Absolutely. Getting into our last fun fact that I have. Um, researchers compiled hundreds of studies of tree-dwelling and ground-dwelling ants to make it estimated... 2.5 million ants for every one human that is walking the earth. And that is about 20 quadrillion ants in total on earth. And that is a two with 16 zeros behind it. That's an unimaginable number. That's crazy. Yeah. Hopefully they uh, stay away from the houses. <laughs> <laughs> But if we were kind of talking about this earlier when we found that fact is we mentioned on our termite podcast that the weight of all the termites in the world outweighs all of the weight of all the humans in the world, which is insane. Yeah. I don't have this for a fact, but I would feel like with that, those type of numbers, it it's be. the same thing with ants. So be. could we consider ants and termites to be maybe the greatest species walking the earth? That's a, that's a <laughs> the largest one. species walking the earth. Yeah, the most for sure. I, I mean, it's got to be one of the. I mean, I don't know what else would top that, but as far as weight scale, that makes sense as well. It has to be this way. <laughs> Two point five million ants. That's a lot. It has to be. Um, so, you know, I have to throw it in almost every episode. Out of curiosity, is there such thing as a king ant? There is no such thing as a king ant in their hierarchy system. So the term queen is used for ants not because she is more powerful or better than other ants. It's because she's typically the mother of most, if not all, the ants in that colony. So it's not a, a hierarchy system. So there is no king in the ant, ant species world. So answer your so, question, no. So with that being said... Um, if you said the queen is basically like who has the most children in the nest, if a queen dies, what happens to the colony? Most of the time they're at risk of dying. They cannot really think for themselves. As we talked about their communication, they will obviously bump heads, rub and tenant, but they're getting that communication from the queen of what she essentially wants them to do. They typically won't branch out. They can, some species can, but they will essentially elect a new queen to reproduce more babies and workers 
or the colony piece, like pieces of the colony will pick up and move and that, that ant nest can die. So as the ants age or die off, um, they're not being replaced by new ones once that queen dies. So if they don't replace the queen, they can die off. But most of the time with swarming and moving around, colonies will come and go rather quickly in some areas. But if you just took away, if you had an ant farm and the queen died, the colony's going to die because there's, there's no more reproduction essentially at that point. That's wild. All right. Well, that's all the questions and fun facts that I have, but I do kind of want to throw you a fastball and see if you can come up with something on your feet really quick. Let's and I know that's your favorite thing to do. A hundred percent. Um, so I was just wondering what your craziest experience as a technician with ants has been have you ever seen anything like a, a huge nest before or a crazy infestation let me think with I... ants specifically because i know yeah. like with other <laughs> it's easier other... it's easier once you get the german roaches or fleas or something that yeah. really causes you um some problems uh actually i do have one so early in my tech career there is a small airport very small airport um in the tampa area called vandenberg airport and near there is a canal um, system that kind of goes around parts of the actual airstrip itself. And there's a few, there's just a few isolated homes through there. Uh, to my career, still the most ants I've ever seen at someone's home. They were a super colony in that area. And every time we would treat, we were diminishing the population um, in great numbers. But I, I recall going to this individual's home and they were just crawling in a thick line, just multiple ants in a line just stacked on top of each other. And I recall this individual sweeping on their porch after we'd sprayed a few weeks earlier, and she had swept up a mound of them. And I've never seen ants in that bunch. There was probably ants, you know, two or three inches thick that were dead, and there were just thousands and thousands and thousands continuing around her property, getting on her house, coming inside. They weren't – that was the, the, t the tough one about it is because – they weren't getting into the house to forage or anything like that. They were just going around the house, and the house was kind of in the way. And they were getting in at some point and getting kind of lost, if I can say that. But I trailed them through the yard. I, I wasn't able to treat in some areas, and uh, it was essentially a whole neighborhood that had them, and I couldn't really do anything because it wasn't like it was off on a dirt road, back in the trees, next to a water source. That is probably the hardest. So they were in one. the best conducive conditions that they could possibly find. <laughs> yeah, and I felt terrible because there was just there wasn't that much I could do uh, for the individual. But they knew they knew where they were. They'd had them. I think the individual told me that they were there for she she'd been living there for fifteen years, something like that. And they'd been there since day one. <laughs> They're probably still there now. But we tried <laughs> to keep them out of the house as best we could. But just the the sheer numbers, I've never seen sheer numbers like that. So, well, hopefully you told them to you know cut the shrubbery back, make sure no branches <laughs> were hanging over the house, you know, create those preventative yeah. measures so that you can help yourself as much as possible from them getting into your house and just being annoying. Absolutely, that's that's the goal. There is to stop the conducive conditions, like Taylor mentioned. Um, most of the time, you're not going to have such perfect conditions for such a colony that size but if you do have some kind of problem with ants as technicians whenever we go around the house we do look for something that maybe a homeowner is doing to not add to the problem but potentially have a problem 
And that's partly where the professionals come in to check the home out, see if there is any problems. If you do have an existing problem, we can come out there and hopefully eradicate that situation and give you tips and tricks on how to stop it in the future. Florida is always essentially rainy um, season. It's always perfect conditions for ants. Uh, but whenever you get into the heavier everyday afternoon showers that we get, we're going to get a lot more bugs and a lot more ants. We're going to see a lot of things. So if you have anything like that out there, you have questions for us, anything piqued your interest in the podcast, give us a call. Let us know. Yeah, give us a call. Send us an email. I like to drop our email. It is service at crosspestcontrol.com. Message us on Instagram or Facebook. We have a Bugs Fate on Instagram. And give us some information. You know, we're always also help there to help prevent. Even if you don't have a problem, like you said, weather comes, things get stirred up, you might start having a problem that you didn't have before. Have that prevention in place so you don't have to deal with it. Yeah. Nobody wants ghost ants on their Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Another one, too, around the summertime, kids are out of school playing in the yard. A lot of fire ants, a lot of ant mounds. Um, I've got young kids. Don't want them getting stung or other term bit, but we'll say yep. stung the proper term. We don't want the you know, we don't want uh, your kids or pets or anybody getting stung by ants. So if you have them in the yard, if you have them in the house, be sure to give us a call. Yeah, give us a call. Set up some prevention. Set up some curative. We're here for it. I think that covers it for our podcast on ants. Yeah, that's all I've got. All right, so we will see you guys next time. And thanks for joining us for a bug's fate. See you later. <laughs>